Welcome to the Modernizer Die Podcast, CFML News Edition, where we keep you up to date with everything going on in the Cold Fusion community. We'll share the latest news on events, releases to engines, frameworks, libraries, and tools, as well as spotlighting quality content from the community. Welcome to Modernizer Die Podcast, CFML News Edition. It's episode 141, March 29th, 2022. I'm Gavin Pickin. And I'm joined again by Daniel Garcia. Welcome back. Hello. It's good to have you on the podcast again. Hopefully everyone's enjoying the little mix-up we do with uh, the, our host. It's kind of nice to see some different faces out there and uh, gives us a little more time to get other work done so we can uh, <laughs> get more stuff out to you. Well, uh, first up, we always want to say thank you to our sponsor, Autis Solutions. Uh, without them, we wouldn't be here. Uh, we're both senior developers at Autis, but we also do other things, including um, make cold box, command box, forge box, test box, a lot of other boxes. Um, so we want to just sort of, you know, thank Autis for making this possible. But there's a few ways they can say back, uh, thanks back to Autis Solutions. You want to give us the list. Yep, absolutely. So a few ways to say thanks back to us, Autis. Um, you can like and subscribe to our videos on YouTube. You can help Ordis reach for the stars, start and fork all our repos on GitHub. Uh, in fact, Eric even made a cool little uh, GitHub box GitHub box dependency for command box that lets you auto star. So if you install that, I'll post the link and you can automatically show us the load. Um, you can subscribe to our podcast on any of your podcast apps and leave us a review. You can sign up for a free or paid account on CFCast, which is releasing new content every week. And you can buy Oris's book, 102 Coldbox HMVC Quick Tips and Tricks on Gumroad. Um, yeah. For our Patreon support, we have 36 Patreons providing 96% of the funding for our Modernizer Die podcast via our Patreon site. Yeah, we really do appreciate them. And so much, we'll even talk about them a little more at the end of the show and give you guys a couple of the perks that you might get if you become a Patreon supporter too. Okay, well, let's get into our news and events. Uh, Top of the list is apparently the CFML tag on Twitter is now used for heart surgery too. So if you see some weird, <laughs> weird tweets coming around, uh, I guess there's like something going on right now. Uh, but yes, yeah, for open heart surgery and they're talking about cauterizing wounds and stuff. Don't worry. Uh, it, CFML code cannot cauterize your heart. But uh, <laughs> so uh, yeah. <laughs> it's it's kind of funny. I was looking through the tweets, obviously, to get some news, and I saw that. And the funny thing is, one of them said, uh, you know, something that applied. It was, things are not difficult, just different. And they had the mind-blown emoji. Well, it's pretty much the same thing. It's like, yeah, things aren't difficult. They're just different. Anyway, so let's get some real CFML news in here now. So uh, there's a new command box module um, for users of ColdSpring. So we've had quite a few people using ColdSpring that wanted to... Uh, you know, basically migrate over and uh, use Wirebox. And we've got a new command box module that will make that a lot easier than you might have thought. So if you're using ColdSpring, uh, you may want to look at that. So later in the show, we're going to cover that. So I'm not going to do too much, just tease you. Make sure you stick around a while. That sounds good. And in case you missed it, Into the Box 2022, the call for presenters is now open. Um, Into the Box will be live in Houston from September 27th through... 30th, um, if we want you to speak there, go ahead and uh, submissions close at midnight, April 17th. And I think we're posting the link there. We're doing things a little differently this time, so I'm so confused. Um, I think Gavin's got my back, as always. Yeah, for sure. Um, 
So please, definitely, if you don't think it's interesting, post it anyway, because you, you never know. Yeah. Um, I know Eric, he, last week he talked about the first time he was on the uh, in the conference and he submitted just like eight crazy ideas and like, we picked <laughs> two of them. And as this happens sometimes, you know, Nolan submits a lot of things and we won't make you do that much. But, um, you know, it's it's one of those things that's like, you know, if you want to learn something, you want to dive deep into it. Trust me, if you post a topic that you want to see or maybe want to cover, if you have to actually present on it, you'll learn really quickly <laughs> what that topic is all about and dive deeper. And it gives you a good excuse to do it, too, because a lot of times you want to look at something, but you never really have a use case or a reason to. Um, you know, presenting a, a topic can be good. And sometimes if you submit a topic um, and you're not even that comfortable, but maybe you want to see someone else present it, we can try and find someone else to present it, too. So even if you're not willing to present it, you know, maybe submit stuff you want to see. Um, but we're hoping that you get some new people out there. We always like the community coming in and actually like presenting too. We don't want to make it just the order show. Although, you know, we've got lots to talk about. We love it when we have, you know, the community members presenting too. Some of the best presentations are community members because we built it. We use it a certain way, but it's great to see how other people use our tools and they do things that we may not even thought of. And so it's really good for us. And so, you know, we want to make it a, a good conference for everybody. Yep, I think Scott Steinbeck posted in the Box Team Slack last week. He's looking for ideas. Any community members that want to hear about a certain topic, um, he's looking for ideas to submit as well. Yeah, I think he posted so. like eight or something that he was willing to you know talk about. Um, and let's see, I can't find it. Of course, you can't find it when that happens. But yeah, I mean, Scott's talked uh, over the years into the Box Team Objective and you know stuff like that. So he's got lots of good topics. He does a lot of post uh postgres and mysql and you know that type of stuff but yeah give us ideas uh, we're definitely looking for you know ideas sometimes it's even for us like what should i talk about if you want something you want to hear from me uh, let us know so i'll probably do that I'll, I'll give you lots of things to talk about actually last fall was the last first time i've ever presented it in the box that i've gone a couple of times so that was exciting for me yep very cool Okay, also in case you missed it, Lucy539, 15 release candidate three, um, the final before they go stable, subject to any issues, um, hopefully next week, that'll be live, but um, check it out. I'm sure they'll be posting all over the web when it's available. For sure. Okay, now last week, um, Eric mentioned this on the podcast, so I'm going to tell you, I don't know as much about this, so if you did miss him talking about this, uh, you may want to check it out last week. Um, he talked about um, an RFC for CBQ, which is a provider-based queuing system for Coldbox. So he talked about how you know we do a lot of work with um, customers using RabbitMQ or stuff like that, where you've got a queuing system, and basically, if you've got a long-running task, you know a lot of times you fire and forget. That's great, but sometimes you want to make sure it gets handled, it gets done, and you know what's going on. So uh, he's basically posted up on the Autos community forum um, about this, you know, provider-based queuing system for Coldbox, and he wanted, to, you know, basically feedback. You know, what do we think it should do? Any ideas on this or that? But he talked about it in more detail on last week's episode. So if you missed it, go check that out and then give us some feedback. We really want to make sure we, we get a lot of information so we can build the, the right uh, queuing system for Coldbox. And CBQ, we should call him Q because quick QB and now CBQ, <laughs> like he's starting a little trend here. He's going to run out of things you can do with the letter Q. But uh, anyway, so go check that out in the Autos community. Um, really good. He's very resourceful. Actually, I think there's also, I don't have the link handy, I apologize. But um, we're also posting if there are content that you all want to see on the community site, 
um, there's at least one thread where we're asking for ideas. Maybe you want to see tutorials or blog articles or just content about how to do things. Um, the community site is where it's at. Very cool. Okay, so another in case you missed it, Content <clears throat> Content Box 5.1 was released. Woo! Very exciting. Um, we've released 5.1 now. Um, the docs are getting a big update. Uh, release brings a lot of stability to the platform. Um, I'm going to be working a lot more with Content Box myself as well. I'm very excited to do that. So hopefully you'll see some stuff for me here and there as well. Um, also, next month, we have our or April Ordis webinar on CBC security, passwords, tokens, and JOTS with Eric Peterson. That's April 29th at 11 a.m. Central Time. Um, learn how to integrate CB security in your apps, whether you're using passwords, API token, JOTS, or a combination of all three. So that is going to be a great webinar. I do plan on attending, just like I attended yours last week, I think it was, Gavin. Yep. Awesome stuff. Um, I but yeah, that's, I'm really looking forward to that. Use a lot more JOTs than what I do and can't call them JWT tokens. They're just JOTs. I've been, I've, I've been so informed. Yeah, you can call JWTs or JW tokens, but yeah, you can't call them JOT tokens because JWT, the T is token. So you're always just saying JWTT. Kind of like ATM machines. Yeah, exactly. ATMs. Yep. So as you mentioned, uh, I did do my webinar last week. So I called it Forge Boxification. So basically we went and we had a sample little, uh, you know, quick start app. It was one of my uh, new uh, little, little teeny tiny apps, but we wanted to sort of, you know, update it a little bit, use some Forge Box um, ideas to try and get it better. So we learned how to install a module. We learned, you know, how to interact with a normal module and then how to um, basically use a Callbox module in an app that wasn't cold box as well. Um, so it was kind of a, a neat little walkthrough. Uh, actually got a couple of pull requests out of it because there was a couple of things in one of the modules we couldn't do without cold box. So I'm going to put some pull requests in for that. But uh, also we took that and made our own module and uploaded that as well. So it was a cool little session and that is going to be posted later today on uh, CFCast. They're working mm -hmm. on the final touches, so it'll be there soon. Um, and so as soon as that is up, um, hopefully I'll get that added to the show notes for later. Um, but, uh, they will have it up soon. So it's a, it was a good session. And as you'll see shortly, CFCast, I'm doing a series on Forgebox. So it ties into that perfectly. We also had, um, the Hawaii CFUG was last week with Mark Takata. He was talking about moving your legacy ColdFusion application to modern CFML. Um, so that was, uh, last Thursday, the, the, apparently the video is up. Uh, I just need to find the link if we can see it. Um, I haven't seen it online. So if you can tweet at me, John, uh, I'll add it to the show notes there. I didn't see it on the, on Twitter yet, but, uh, I really want to see that one. I wasn't able to make it to that one. I left Hawaii the day before. So, but, uh, it'd be good to see that as well. And their next one is going to be in April. They're looking for someone to speak about ORM. So if you, if you're an expert on ORM, you want to speak at the Hawaii CFUG online, uh, let John Barrett know. Um, if not, tune in. They're, they're going to have a good session on ORM. So it's good to see another uh, user group up and running and trying to get content. It's always hard, though. Everyone's so busy these days to be able to present. And there was another webinar last week. Man, and uh, in case you missed it, because we missed it too. We forgot to announce it on the, the podcast. But uh, Fusion Reactor webinar last Thursday uh, had a lot of uh, interesting things and some of the new releases, including some on-premises stuff. So... Um, 
the the link says that the seminar uh, the webinar is closed now but there is a link on there or in the show notes to talk to nick fluid so maybe if you contact him you can get an, uh, an email off to him and get a link to the the video i didn't see it up on the youtube channel so i wasn't able to share the link but a lot of great webinars uh, so if you did miss some there's some good stuff to catch up on oh. coming up we've got some adobe workshops um, so Adobe Cliffy's workshops, learn how you can add your agency can leverage CF to amazing web content. We had one last week, um, Thursday, the 24th, Cold Fusion Standard versus Enterprise with Mark Takata. Um, there is a recording. I think you're going to post that. Yep, the uh, link is in there. Yep. Um, we just found that one. Hey, Mark had two on that day. He was a busy boy. He was. He is. Um, we have another one tomorrow at 9 a.m. Eastern with Brian Sappy. Uh, Adobe Cold Fusion Workshop. Yep, I'll see you yeah. there. Awesome. We have another one on Thursday, April 21st at 9 a.m. Central European time that seems to mess up everyone who uh, reads this, but Central European time, CET. It's another Cold Fusion Workshop with Damien Brundox. And then finally, we have another one on Thursday, April 21st, um, 10 a.m. Pacific time, Adobe Cold Fusion Truths with Mark Takata. Yep, there's a lot of good content. And we shared the link for the the full list, and they update that pretty regularly. So Mark Takata is doing a great job getting lots of good content out there, and they've got those workshops in European time and in the U.S. time zones too. So yep. a lot and of great apparently, content. Apparently that's not about myths about cold fusion, but actually, actually truthiness in cold fusion. So oh. I was confused, but Eric explained it to me. Oh, very cool. Okay. CFCast. So we have some new content up on CFCast. As I mentioned, we're going to have the Forgebox webinar from last week that will be posted later today. But if you look up there now on CFCast.com, we actually have um, the new series. So I'm going to pull it up here on my machine for those watching. Um, but basically, it's a new series all about your for first Forgebox package. So a lot of people, um, you know, don't use Forgebox, so they think it's only for Coldbox. Um, but you know, you could use it for a lot of different things. Like I said, you can use it in legacy apps too. So in this one, we're going to walk through uh, publishing your first Forgebox package. And uh, Mr. Ben Nadell has even given me permission to convert one of his uh, many um, tidbits of great stuff up on GitHub to a Coldbox module too. So not only will we um, take his repo and put it up on Forgebox, so you can access some of his cool things easily, uh, we'll even convert it to Coldbox in a try and make it user-friendly for that too so uh, it's going to be a good series we've got lots of videos um, in the pipeline so they'll be coming out you should see more of them this week as well um, in addition to that that webinar so lots of cfcast content we're working on a lot of different things um, so we should have more coming out soon but uh definitely a lot of cfcast stuff on forgebox coming from me so if not bug me and i'll make sure i keep on those but i've got a lot of plans for that video series Okay, next up we have conferences and trainings. Okay, so the first up here is the Docker Community All Hands on this Thursday from 8 to 11 Pacific time. Um, they're celebrating Docker's ninth birthday at their next Community All Hands. It is a virtual event and a unique opportunity for the community to come together with Docker staff to learn, share, and collaborate about all things Docker. Sounds yep. like fun. Yeah. Nine sorry. years. I, yeah. Wow. I know it's, it makes it me feel like old. It's, 
Well, yeah. Well, I am old, Kevin. So, <laughs> uh, me too. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's it's been. I uh, can't believe it's been out that long. But I guess when you think back, yeah, we've been using it for quite a while now. So, okay. So I'm answering questions in the chat as we go. So slight delay. But yeah, um, DockerCon is the next one up. It looks like May 10th will be having that. And DockerCon is great. And I'm even wearing the shirt from one I attended uh, a while ago. But it's, uh, it's, a, it's a great conference. It's got so many tracks, so much great information. And I believe they're doing it where it's everything is pre-recorded and posted. They'll be posting multiple times during the day so you can get it whichever time zone you're in and everything. And it actually allows the person to answer questions in the chat while the recording is going on. So it's kind of a neat approach. Um, I'm actually going to talk to everybody at Audis about allowing for that type of thing for a more polished presentation, more content, you know, and give the speaker more time to answer questions as it's going or maybe chime in to answer questions. But, uh, you know, it always sort of fixes all those technical issues you always have in a conference. So it's funny that conferences are moving to almost all pre-recorded now. And for quality control, you have to actually submit the video in advance. So that way you have to get the video done. You can't be doing it same day like some people, maybe me, uh, <laughs> tweaking their presentation up to the last minute. So, But, but yeah. on the plus side, it's available quicker. Yeah, so. exactly. That too. It's a little more polished than everything else. So, so uh, yeah. Looks like, Dan, you're asking, you're asking about Forge Boxication. Um, that's going to be on, that was last week. It's going to be on CFCast. I think Gavin was saying today, maybe? Yeah, they said it should be the end of the day. So day yep end of day your time and a day uh, i don't know uh, i'm not <laughs> sure what time zone the person publishing it is in sometime today check tomorrow usually have new content out every wednesday that's the goal um so usually it's right around wednesday so it should be there very soon okay <clears throat> next we have dev nexus 2022 uh this is the largest java conference in the u.s april 12th through 14th coming up over in atlanta uh brad and luis will both be speaking um, Luis is going to be talking about Alpine JS, declare and react with simplicity. And Brad will be talking about what is a pull request, contribute open source, and do not be surprised if you see some cool little cold fusion command box stuff um, in there because that's Brad. That's what he does. Yeah, for sure. I like how he sneaks CFML into every place he goes, which is cool. And he has to wear the command box pie hat to that at least once, you know, because some of you guys don't even know what I'm talking about, which is even sadder. Oh, I know. We should get a video of Brad with that one of these. I'm sure he's got one somewhere. Yeah, probably. Um, the next one, uh, the U.S., is the Vue.js conference in Fort Lauderdale, June 8th through 10th. Um, they, they're subtitling it Beach Code View. Workshop Day is the 8th. The main conference is the 9th through the 10th. Um, yeah, so that should be pretty cool. Again, are you going to that yet? You know? I'm really trying to. Um, there's just got some uh, family responsibilities with um, yeah, family health members. Sorry, family members with health issues that I have to make sure I'm cleared. But if everything's sure. going better, I'm even thinking I might take the wife with me so she can't complain that I'm leaving her at home in summer holidays. But Oh, man. See, you, see, you've attended conferences before. Yeah, uh, that's for sure. So if I, <laughs> I mean, we, we just... Yeah, we had to use our flight credits up and we had a trip to Hawaii that we were going to lose if we didn't use it. I'm like, Florida sounds fun too. But yeah, we'll have to see. Um, I'm hoping to. And if I go, I definitely want to meet up with all of you other CFs out there and we can uh, you know, catch up, chit chat, code, and maybe, yeah, play at the beach too. Okay. Nice. Um, 
pull for speakers, as we mentioned, is open for Into the Box. But what we didn't say earlier was early bird pricing is available for uh, Into the Box 2022. And just so you know, um, the solid dates are 28th through the 30th. Uh, originally, we were talking about having two days of workshops. But um, due to some scheduling things, we're, we're looking at maybe just making it a one-day workshop. So I think we're doing one day of workshops and then the two-day conference. That means you only have three days away from work, and hopefully it'll be easier for more people to, to you know get that time from work to get there. Um, so we're, we're hoping that makes it simpler. You don't have to figure out, do we want to do one-day workshop, two-day workshop, whatnot. Um, and again, early bird pricing is available at, up till the end of April. So um, we got the call for speakers open for another couple of weeks. So we may have the schedule released um, before the early bird is up, but usually it's about the same time. So... Get your early bird tickets. It's going to be a lot of great speakers. Trust me. Uh, we'll have a good time. And for the venue, we're looking for a, maybe a new venue. So we're looking right now. We'll have that information out soon. But it will be a great venue for sure. And we always have a good time into the box. That reminds me. I need to submit my uh, my uh, topics. That's okay. So. If you don't submit them, we'll just volunteer you for some. <laughs> like We need somebody to talk about this. Go. Exactly. I but see. if you go to into the box.org, we're updating the site with content. You can get the links to go buy tickets. You can see the call for speakers there. So into the box.org. Very nice. Um, speaking of into the box, we have in the box Latin America um, tentative dates, December 1st through 2nd. Um, we'll certainly get more information on that as things get shorn up and finalized and more info. Also, uh, we're waiting to hear more on CF Summit for this year as well as CF Camp. Um, Hopefully both are going to be happening and we'll get you all the information as we hear it. As always, if you want to find more conferences, go to comps.tech. Uh, it's a nice site. You have all sorts of conferences all over the place, um, all over the dates. Check that out. Yep. And I have been bugging Mark Takata about CF Summit and he doesn't have anything official yet, but I <coughs> heard that they're um, they're looking at doing a, you know another developer week coming up soon. So we'll have hmm. information about that soon. See if Summit, um, you know, as soon as they have it, we'll we'll find out and get that to you. But I am bugging him, and he's, you know, they're they're working on getting something together. So uh, he'll let us know as soon as he's allowed to, you know. <laughs> so uh, it's it's promising. So, but yeah, we should have information on the developer week coming up soon too, which is great. Okay, let's move on. Blogs, tweets, and videos of the week. So we did mention that Mark Takata had that video um, about Cold Fusion Standard versus Enterprise. This is his webinar last week. That is up on YouTube, so we have the link for that. We also have his, a previous webinar he did, I think it was about a month ago, three, four weeks ago. He talked about cloud report building using Cold Fusion and PDF services. And so that one there is up on YouTube as well. They just posted them this morning. So um, those are there and available for you. So some good videos go check them out mark's been doing a great job with this stuff so uh, let them know you know give them some praise on on twitter for that too okay um we have lots of um lots of other things coming up here uh so first is a blog from ben nadell avoiding mysql max law packet errors by splitting up these large aggregation queries and confusion <clears throat> so basically ben was doing some large data querying and dynamically and ended up making SQL strings that were over too much or too large for MySQL to handle. 
And so what it's able to do is kind of take that, break it off, chunk it out. So do several smaller ones and then summarize the, uh, the results to get them the actual results he was looking for. Um, yeah. I don't know if I've, if I've ever written a SQL query that would actually break the uh, database server or exceed the database server's capabilities, but Ben did, and I am not surprised. He does a lot of cool things, interesting things. Yeah, the max allowed packet thing, I think um, I think James Mover commented on, on Twitter too, but yeah, it used to be about a thousand um, you know, CF query params. Um, and so if you if you do a where clause and you can do some, you know, some tricks or whatnot. Um, but a good way to do it sometimes is just to join the tables. And so I know this one here, Ben's doing millions of rows or something like that. And so he wanted to really yeah. batch it up and loop through a thousand at a time, which makes sense. Um yeah, he says several billion records in them. So, yeah, uh, he didn't want to just do a join on that. So, um, but yeah, so that's basically the thing. But yeah, a lot of times it's about a thousand and a where in that it sort of maxes out um, and, yep. you know, tricks like that. So, and I think he threaded it too. So, yeah, I'm sure he did. Faster. Yeah, it's, it's a really good little walkthrough if you're doing some bigger um, data querying and you, know, you, know, you want to basically look through look through all those uh, reports is usually the biggest case for that type of thing you know so but yeah it was a good uh good blog post okay so next up we had um a, a community forum post actually by matthew Clemente. so i'm going to share my screen again for those who are watching uh and this one he basically just wanted to you know sort of uh, bounce this idea off of the off of the virtual wall uh talk to a rubber duck but he was using async manager in place of sea of thread and, you know, he just sort of like, well, this is how I think I should be using it. I'm not sure of the correct syntax. And so, you know, he shouted out here and it's uh, Eric came back and sort of gave sort of, you know, the solution. And basically, Matthew was on the right track all along. And it's, you know, it's just a nice place to have these these questions now. Like, it's what we're trying to use the community for. And you'll see that in a few more of these blog posts it's, or these uh these messages we're, we're taking questions that someone's asked and posting them here, even if they didn't uh, ask it here directly. That way we've got a better uh, longevity because in Slack, you know, our answers are great, but they disappear pretty quickly. So, so that was a, another good one. So async manager. And then uh, it was kind of neat that uh, someone said, Matthew, you should talk about async manager at uh, into the box. <laughs> uh, hmm. So it was kind of, kind of cool to see that people are interested in that. So Brian class is the one that was interested. If you want to know, and uh, it, it, He's going to be there speaking, I'm sure. He's the AWS guy. So if he's not, I'm going to bug him too. But uh, it'll be good to see everybody there. Okay, nice. what do we got next? Well, another blog article from Ben about splitting an array into groups in Cold Fusion 2021. Um, basically, the other day, he had a long list of IDs they needed for a SQL query and wanted to kind of chunk them up and group together. And so he figured out a way about doing that. He wrote himself his own little UDF to... Do that. So if he had a say uh, an array of eleven items that he wanted to post in groups of five, um, he's showing how he would do that. To do three arrays, the first two arrays have five items, the third array have one item. Yep, and that's one of those cool little things. It'd be nice on Forgebox. And people are saying, Man, I really wish we had things like Lodash, right? In ColdFusion. And there are some libraries on Forgebox and other places with Lodash for ColdFusion. But yeah, this Lodash has a ton of these little teeny tiny helper methods, which, you know, you'd think the engine has them, but sometimes they don't, you know. So it's uh it's kind of cool to to get them out there. But it was a 
you know, I always like how Ben, when he solves one problem, he usually has three blog posts because <laughs> it's like, well, this is the tool I used when I made this, and this is the thing I used to do that. And so he shares them all out there. And so works out pretty well. Another one from Ben, he was talking about um, updating OWASP anti-semi from 1.57 to 1.65 in Cold Fusion 2021. And so this blog post is kind of neat. I mean, it, it goes into some details because he went to upgrade from, like I said, 1.57 to 1.65, I think it was. Yep, I was right. Um, but basically, he ran into some, some issues. So just a minor update. I wouldn't have thought he had so many issues to, to worry about. But um, he, knew he manually downloaded the the jar from maven and then he tried to start it up and got some some interesting errors and so he works through it talks about policy changes talks about different um tag rules um in the policy xml file and then he actually sort of shows what he does to, to load up all those anti-semi jars and then he actually shows this one here is pretty neat this is like the lockdown file his policy xml and so this shows what he lost down and obviously on his blog and his um you know, his comments, he doesn't trust us with anything, which is rightfully so. And so he locks down pretty much everything. So, uh, you know, if you're looking at a good example of using anti-semi in your site, you may prefer form, comments, stuff like that. This is a pretty good example here. Um, and so, yeah, it was really nice to see. And like you said, the main reason he's trying to do this is to keep up to date for security reasons because things get updated and security patches and, and everything. And one of the things that this library actually changed um, was the log4j stuff and so that was one of the things he ran into was the late they switched log4j for another library and so he had to work through that so anti-sam is great OWASP stuff is very cool nice to see it there oh charlie made a comment about ooh, posts and not coming up uh, we will look at that charlie thank you for bringing that to our attention yeah we should have some uh yeah, we should have some better SEO. That's something we're trying to pay more attention to, Charlie. Even on Forgebox, I was talking about how maybe we need to submit our you know, website XML file more often um, to that to Google. So, but yeah, I wonder if the forum set up the right way because it is using Discourse, so it should have some pretty nice tools built in. Or maybe we just gotta you know make sure we're submitting it often enough to the Google gods. Yeah, but yeah, thank you for pointing that out. We will we'll take a look. <clears throat> so we have yet another Ben Nadell blog. Is Ben the most prolific? He has the, to be. I mean, we, I mean, we've got some great people out there, you know, Ben and Charlie and Ray and a bunch of others. And, but um, yeah, it's yeah. it's pretty crazy how much he gets out. And I've mentioned to other bloggers as well. I mean, the only one that competes or used to compete was Adam Cameron, who's in the chat today. I mean, he used to knock out one a day. It seemed like <laughs> he had a ton of content. I mean, when I when I was blogging more regularly, I was trying to keep up with him, but I couldn't do that either. Him and Ben just light years apart. But uh, yeah, Ben's definitely up there. I mean, he's probably got six or seven a week. I don't know how he does it because some of these blog posts take a day to write. So. <laughs> and Charlie says, no one puts Charlie in a corner. Only Ben. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so another blog post by Ben. Um, considering a numeric range, sequence, data structure, and confusion. Um, actually, I'm not sure I quite fully grokked this one, Gavin. Maybe I just didn't read it closely enough. But um, it's not something he'd ever do in prod. But in turning around the ideas of confusion, it's not uncommon for him to want to iterate over a sequence of numbers. 
He was saying that other languages have the concept of first-class range or sequence structures, and it seems like something like that could be of some value in CF as well. Um, so we wanted to try implementing numeric range sequence data structure in Lucy. Yeah, so, I mean, I assume it's just like an iterable. Yeah, that's what it says. It's an iterable sequential numeric range. But, I mean, basically you have to do it yourself. And, of course, it's never going to be as, you know, as efficient as doing it at the at the library level, the engine level. And, but, I mean, I think when he talked about it, though, too, he was like, he can't think of a good use case for it in production. But he can think of lots of use cases for, like, a calendar because you always want to iterate through the days of the week or the days of the month or something. Um, or if you're doing testing, you want to create some test cases and everything. Um, but it just takes out the, you know, the sort of the traditional for loop, you know, we have a start value, end value, and a step, and it just kind of makes it easier um, to, to sort of process over. Um, but yeah, I mean, I like it. I mean, yeah, I think it's one of those things where other languages have a lot of things like this, and those are the types of things we should be adding. And Composition has been adding a lot of, you know, member functions over time and and doing that stuff. Um, and yeah, it's it's pretty pretty common so maybe we should be adding more of these types of things so yeah. uh, also notice that charlie is commenting on making little tiny movie references charlie i know the reference and i get it um we we follow there's not many that you're going to make that we're not going to get here so uh thank you for that yep okay so next up we have a blog post from luis mahano and this one is talking about the command box tool that um, we're going to basically be showing off the ForgeBox module of the week. So I guess you get another little sneak peek teaser here. But uh, this is basically for taking those old Cold Spring legacy apps, which, you know, everything has its place. And you know, it's a great, it's one of the, the first really uh, dependency injection libraries for Cold Fusion, if I remember right. So migrating from cold spring to wirebox and so it uh, talks about you know cold spring it see it was the first dependency injection framework cold fusion the good old days and inspired by java spring um and so basically it doesn't work very well on um adobe 2018 and maybe um in the newer versions too so um some people some of our customers are converting over to wirebox because they were just spending so much time trying to even get them working and so we have this little library this little command box tool that shows you how to convert it. So I'll leave it at that for right now. But basically, um, yeah, it just takes your old Coldbox XML and converts it over to the Wirebox version, the Wirebox mappings. And really, it can be done in seconds. So uh, definitely a good, good blog post explaining how to use that module more. And we'll talk about that a little more in a few minutes here, too. Yep. Yeah, you said something about it breaking in 2018. I think one of the problems was the... Uh, they were using a, a function name within ColdSpring that was the same as a native function name in oh. Adobe CF, like abstract, I think. Oh, yep, that makes sense. So which some, of, some of those keywords, yeah, they can yeah. be a problem. There might be other issues. I remember we ran into that at one point doing an upgrade. <clears throat> okay, so we have another uh, forum post, this time from Brad. Um, how to create instances of CFCs and a command box task runner. So someone asked him why they couldn't run the following code inside of a task runner, basically referencing a CFC. And um, basically, you have to know the context where the task runner is running to know how to reference that task. So we put a community post up there 
talking about the different ways you can inject that um, component into your task runner, whether it's through a module or through a mapping or, or whatnot. It shows the examples. Just remember that when you do that, though, it's going to be load up in memory for the life of that command box session. Um, yeah. Fine, but something to keep in mind. Yeah, exactly. Task runners are awesome. Um, we use them all the time. And it's nice that, yeah, you have that load module or, you know, that get instance <clears> and it'll basically go and grab it using Wirebox um, setup and you can even create the mappings and do the bindings yourself. It's kind of neat. So, like I said, I'm really liking the, the way Brad's doing this now. It's putting more in the community when he answers questions. Because Brad lives on Slack. I don't know how he gets any work done with the amount of questions he answers on there. So, it's, it's good to keep him there. Yeah, that's for sure. Okay, there's uh, another blog post. This is one we actually missed from last week as well. But it was uh, referring to some data sources and this dot data sources and how it works. And so this is from BKBK, and I can't remember who this is. <laughs> These usernames always get me. Um, but talking about um, how this dot data sources in application CFC sort of works and how the attributes um, work. And so it talks about that creation and sort of walk through the steps. Um, it's kind of interesting. Uh, I like that they have the crucial keys that you you know sort of need, but there's a ton of other keys that you can use. It's it's kind of crazy. And it's nice that you just put them in your application CFC. So it's a it's a nice little nice little walkthrough and all that. Um, you know, and again it it takes this and then shows you when you output this, you can see all the information because it's a struct essentially. So it just dumps it out as a, a struct of information. So. I thought that was a, a cool little blog post to share. Okay, well, there's quite a lot today for that, but let's get into our find a job, our CFML jobs. And we have quite a few jobs available on getcfmljobs.com. There's over 60 listed there, and we have three new ones by the look of it for this week. <clears throat> yep, so the first one is a full-time, which are all full-time, but a senior co-fusion developer for GNORTH information systems. Uh, in the United States. The next one is for Cofusion Developer Remote in the US. I was posted March 25th. The other one was posted the 26th. And the third one was a Cofusion Web Developer Rados at Wright Patterson. Um, that was posted on the 23rd. Yep. And then we have some other blog posts. Uh, well, not blog posts, job opportunities. I'm sorry. So we have the Auto Solutions one at autosolutions slash about dash us slash careers. So we were looking for a position or a couple of people in the U.S. time zone. And also we're looking for people to join our Salvador team. And then we also saw one from ProSource360, Dayton, Ohio, which looks like you need secret clearance. So that always interests me. I don't have it, so I'm always curious what they do with a secret clearance. But uh, but yeah, so that job, I'm sharing my screen. You can find out a little bit more about the career and opportunities uh, with ProSource360. Um, so that was up on Twitter, but yeah, so lots of good job opportunities. If you're looking, uh, hopefully we can find you know, something if you're looking for a job. Okay. Let's see what we have for our ForgeBox module of the week. I've been teasing it the whole episode. So what, what is it, Daniel? Tell us all about it. Oh man, it is a command box, tool screen XML to Wirebox DSL converter by order solutions. So this module can convert any Cold Spring XML to the equivalent programmatic DSL for usage by Wirebox 
um, dependency injection framework. You got a link to it. So basically you run the cold spring wirebox command, pass the location of the XML file to convert, and then it creates a destination wirebox binder that you can then use um, in your application. Yep. And then, so it's, it's kind of neat. It, that's <clears> all you have to do though. Just run that command. It'll take the whole XML file and spit that out for you. So it does have a lot of detail and there's a link here to configuring wirebox, but, uh, they said the blog post is really the, the big one there and it really goes through a lot of details. And so we'll be sharing that link here in the chat, but I'm gonna share my screen for those watching just to get a, a bit of sense of it here. So, as I mentioned, it shows the command here and then it'll, it'll basically come in here, look at your test, get your instance. And then here you can sort of, you know, write your little test to make sure that they behave the way they should. So this will actually write a test to make sure that the injector does what it should do. Um, so it's basically just some canary integration tests. So that way you can make sure that it's actually, you know, converting them over and they're actually executable. Um, so it's a pretty simple little process to get up and running with Wirebox. So, and remember Wirebox is standalone, so um, you can use that outside of this. So even if you're using ColdSpring before and you've got another framework you want to move to, not ColdBox, you can still use Wirebox that way. So try to make it user-friendly for everybody. So that helps a few of our clients out. Hopefully that'll help you out too. Okay, next up. Our VS Code hint, tip, and trick of the week. And this one is a new one for me. So my old go-to for uh, .env files, which you're using a lot of these days, was um, uh, basically a VS Code tool called .env. But now there's a new one out called env, which does a lot of the same things, but does a couple extra things too. So in this one, it has the same you know syntax highlighting and everything, which I thought was pretty neat. But it allows you to actually fold too. So you can actually fold your commented sections in your .env, which I thought was really slick. Um, so if you create sections with a comment and then they have a space, you can actually fold them up. Oh, nice. And that's really handy when you've got some crazy places. Like we have some data source lists that we have probably 30 data sources on some apps. And so each one has its own, you know, username and password and maybe uh, like IP address or, or you know, location of the database, even database names sometimes. So we might have five or six different settings for every data source and that list gets really long. So it does do formatting as well. So you can actually format the file and it'll you know, clean it up for you, tidy it up and everything. So yeah, something real simple, but it's really helpful. Uh, the highlighting has helped me find a few issues with mine. And uh, I really like the idea of the folding. So I already installed that one. I've started playing with it. So ENV. Uh, on Visual Studio. Is there, is there a limit? Like what's the max number of variables you should be using or? I don't think there's a max. Uh, Common sense I mean, max maybe. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, without the .env um, tool that we use with command box, it gets kind of hairy because obviously if you've got three different sites that you work on saying you have, you know, the variables named the same, and you're doing old school Windows system environment variables and changing them. <laughs> you got to make sure you name them all differently, and that that's kind of weird. And if someone's using an app with the same variable name, that's why the .env file is nice. It just loads it up into your like into your command box environment variables, not your system environment variables, and makes life a lot easier. But I don't think there's a limit. Uh, mm. I, know I guess we'll find out soon, huh? <laughs> yeah. 
Okay, so that's our VS Code Hint Tip and Trick of the Week. Uh, EMV. Okay, next up, Patreon supporters. Um, so we like to say thank you to all our Patreon supporters. These individuals are personally supporting our open source initiatives to ensure the great toolings like Command Box, Forge Box, Code Box, Content Box, Test Box, and all the boxes keep getting the continuous development they need and funds the cloud infrastructure the community relies on, like Forge Box for our package management with Command Box. I want to make sure I don't ever mess that up. So that's why I read it. Exactly. <laughs> um, you can support us on Patreon and we'll post the link here. Yep. And then, yeah, like I said, uh, in that Forgebox sit webinar last week, I showed people how to use the free storage. You know, throws it up on S3, you get free storage with Forgebox for, you know, your your public packages there. And it's kind of neat. So people don't know that. So you don't even need source control to be able to post stuff to Forgebox because it'll just zip it up and put it up there on S3 for you. But yeah, so we have annual memberships if you want to pay for the year and save 10%. But our packages have some perks. And we talked about the community website a few times today, community.autosolutions.com. Uh, and all patron supporters should have their own little profile badge on the community website. And they have a special private forum that they can access to ask Autos people directly uh, their own questions. And then if you're a bronze package or up, you now get a Forgebox Pro or a CFCast, or actually, and a CFCast subscription as a perk for being a Patreon subscriber. So those are both pretty cool. A lot of great content on CFCast, and Forgebox Pro gives you little extra benefits. So if you want to have more of your own private packages where only you can install them and not other people, um, you know, there's some, some good advantages with Forgebox Pro. So those are perks, and uh, yeah, we want to give something back. But we also want to thank you. So... We want to thank all these Patreons, and I'm going to try and misspell or mispronounce their names today. So let's do it. So thank you, John Wilson from Synaptrix, Eric Hoffman, Gary Knight, Mario Rodriguez, John Carlos Gomez, David Bellinger, Dan Card, Jonathan Perrett, Jeffrey McGee with Sunstar Media, Dean Maunder, Joseph Lamery, Don Bellamy, Jan Yannick, Laxma Tudohadi, Carl Van Stetten, Jeremy Adams, Didier Snicky. Matthew Clemente, Daniel Garcia, Scott Steinbeck from Aggie Tracking Systems, Ben Adele, Brett DeLine, Kai Koenig, Charlie Earhart, Jonas Erickson, Jason Diker, Sean Oden, Matthew Dabby, Ross Phillips, Edgardo Cabezas, Patrick Flynn, Stephanie Mongi, John Wish, Kevin Wright, and Peter Mary. So we really appreciate each and every one of you for supporting us with your hard-earned money. And that does go to supporting this podcast, which makes orders have more funds for all those other things that we try to do for the community. And uh, that's what it's really about. You know, we want to make the community stronger. So CFML will be stronger and we can, you know, do our jobs and support our families and do lots of good things. So we're uh, really grateful that we can do this. And uh, yeah, we appreciate each and every one of you and everybody else following the podcast, supporting the podcast, pull requests, issues, all of that's really important too. So thanks everybody. And everyone that's here in the chat today, we appreciate the comments. It's always fun to see the interactivity and uh, makes us think that's just not Gavin and I talking to each other. Yep, for sure. And then Charlie did say in the comments um, about the data source post, he did actually put a tracker ticket in there to try and get that information added to the CF docs as well. So it's more readily available for everybody. So thanks again, Charlie. And yeah, a lot of great content this week, a lot of good stuff coming up. So don't forget to, to tune into all of that and we'll see you all next week. Have a good one, everybody. See ya. Bye.
Show notes for this episode can be found at cfmlnews.modernizeordie.io, where you can also subscribe to your favorite podcast player like Spotify or iTunes. We also have the link to YouTube to find more videos just like this. The music used in this podcast is under a royalty-free license from Sound.com and Blue Tree Audio.